This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, we've packed a number of shows together to give you some highlights. I know you're going to enjoy the show. Thank you for being with us today. Tyler, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Whitney. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, honored to have you on and, and to dive in uh, to this topic. But before we do, give the listeners a little bit about your background. Man, wh what do you do exactly, right? So, so they can uh, gather a bigger picture of who you are and how you help people in this space. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I pride myself on being a personal brand expert, specifically in the real estate niche. Um, I'm an expert when it comes to not only building your personal brand, but building the marketing ecosystem that allows you to increase your GCI, increase your production year over year. Um, and in order to do that, I'm the CEO of Henry Street Creative, which is a consultancy firm that works with many Fortune 100 CEOs, broker owners, and national brokerages. Um, and we also have a media arm of the company that supplies all of our clients with the top tier media assets they need, whether that's website, logo, positioning, um, social content, and, and many things in between. Yeah, love that. Uh, speak to just the different industries maybe that you've been a part of and, and your all's unique approach you know, to marketing. Well, certainly, you know, I've been very fortunate to work at the upper echelons of many industries. And, and I oftentimes wonder um, who, <laughs> how they came to be, right? You know, I've worked in the pharmaceutical industry. I've worked in hospitality, lifestyle brands. I was um, head of digital marketing for a portion of NBC Universal. I've worked in the new development space, the investment space, commercial, resi. Um, uh, I have a long-standing career on Broadway and in the arts and entertainment world. Um, and I currently represent multiple international financial institutions. So, you know, specifically through my work, working with some of my heroes and some of the leaders of industry, I've learned that no matter what the industry is, the, the core philosophy of the importance of personal brand and, and putting your best foot forward um, with process and marketing efforts is typically the same no matter what industry you're in. Yeah. That and those processes are, are difficult to learn, I think, unless you have somebody like yourself on the team, right? Uh, it's it just, uh, it's amazing the time that people spend and it can go nowhere, right? Without just a little bit of expertise. Uh, and so, I, you know, I wanted you to be able to, uh, you know, speak to the listener right now. That's, you know, even trying to do some marketing potentially and maybe give us some basic things. Uh, and then we'll dive into even, uh, you know, how that, that personal brand for the leader is so important and how you all help people do that. Uh, but you know, many, uh, pretty much everybody listening, if they're an operator, right, they're trying to connect to investors, right? High net worth individuals are trying to build that trust, right? We're trying to add value to our investors. So, right, they trust us and want to partner and and want to invest in our in our opportunities. Can you just give us some thoughts behind, man, you know, these are some obvious things that you should be doing or not doing or things to be thinking about as they're trying to create content every day? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, working with a lot of investors, I'll tell you that the first mistake the majority of my clients make is being too professionally minded. And let me explain what I mean. Whenever we're talking about any type of content development or content strategy, what's really important to remember here is 
especially in our industry. It's all about relationship building. You know that, I know that, the listeners certainly know that as well. However, there's typically a disconnect in the marketing system that people are employing. You know, I will say that if your content, whether that's on LinkedIn or Instagram or your website, is exclusively focused on real estate development or investment or or something in between, it's really lacking any type of what I call humanization, right? Mm -hmm. I have to first like you and understand you and want to spend time with you prior to agreeing to transact with you. And that's what's really important to remember. I have seen companies and organizations move the needle far greater by focusing on a leader or a CEO or a C-suite member's personal brand versus talking about the messaging or positioning of the company. So the first thing we always do is really approach our marketing from an authentic standpoint, right? Whitney, you obviously are a podcast host. You're many other things in addition to that. My job would be to say, okay, how do we show all of those facets? Maybe my client is a father, a mother, a design enthusiast, a sports enthusiast, um, uh, an athlete, uh, an avid reader, right? A shopaholic. All of these things really start to develop humanistic characteristics that allow consumers and potential clients to want to work with you. So that's the first thing we always have to do. Humanize the client from a place of authenticity in an attempt to build relationships versus exclusively showing what it is I do. Love that. I I thought you gave gave some great tips there as well. Just things to think about that help just help see the human side of you, right? Not just yeah. that we're over here digging dirt and why we're digging dirt or or what we're about to build, right? I, yeah, I love absolutely. that. Uh, and you I, you said it too. I, I need to like you first, right? And then trust you. Uh, and they see those things that they connect with, no doubt about it. Um, so let's talk about that personal brand then uh, and focusing on, you know, the leader's brand versus the company brand. Uh, you know, speaking, you know, uh, and you did a little bit, but maybe going a little further, why we would do one or the other or some of both or not. Yeah, absolutely. So, excuse me. So the answer is quite clear to me. You know, I have represented or represent um, the CEO of Zillow, the CEO of Twitter, the CEO of T-Mobile, the president of the United States, right? And all of these people who are leaders in industry in their own right, first we focus on their personal brand. And let me explain why. Yes, for example, let's take um, T-Mobile for an example, okay? T-Mobile is a faceless, humanless entity. It's a corporation that sells a product or a service, okay? That's in one column. The second column are the human beings, the real-life living creatures that inform the decisions that the organization makes, right? So I firmly believe that the leaders in any organization, whether you're a a startup founder, a a single um, investor, or the leader of the free world, whoever you are, those ethics and values trickle down and inevitably inform the decisions that the corporation makes. So a lot of people are like, well, let's focus on personal brand over here. And then We'll have a completely different conversation about the corporate entity when in reality, they're very much intersecting, right? So what I typically do is remind people that 
the people who power the organization, their ethics trickle down. So that's step one, okay? Keep in mind, whenever we talk about engagement, when we talk about any level of marketing in the professional or the corporate world, we know statistically that the human account, the CEO, the um, leader of the organization is almost always going to have more engagement than the entity. Why? Because people are on social to connect. People want to build a relationship with someone, not something. And so what we typically typically do is focus on the personal brand first and the corporation second. Why? Because if we understand the personal brand of the leaders, that will inevitably inform our decisions from the corporate side. Makes a ton of sense. Uh, and so somebody that, uh, you know, has no presence online, give a couple tips for them. And then, uh, and then maybe I'll, I'll give you another example. Uh, but, uh, you know, somebody that's that's just starting to market to investors, they have no personal brand yet, nobody knows who they are. What's, what are a couple of quick action steps that they could take? Yeah, absolutely. So if you're looking to market to investors and you have no online presence, the first thing we have to rectify and understand is that we are starting at a huge disadvantage. Now, the good news is we can fix that disadvantage quite quickly. But I always talk about user or consumer perception is truth. Okay. I want you to really think about that. I didn't say factually accurate. I said truth. So if a potential investor who I am farming, who I am trying to convert, okay, has no sense of who I am because I don't have a website, because I don't have a social presence, it's going to be really, really hard to build a relationship with them versus someone being able to research me, understand who I am, and then meet me where I already am. The key here is perception. I don't care how much experience you have, how many doors you have, how, um, your total you know, lifetime production history. All I care about is that the perception I get from you online is positive. If you want to be an election market, then your, your marketing has to feel as if it could be consumed by a luxury consumer. So to answer your question, matter of fact, the first thing we have to do is start getting an online presence. Building that personalized website is an absolute necessity because again, it's the first level of attack whenever we're talking about humanizing you and giving a potential consumer more insight into your personal narrative. From there, on top of that, we have to remember that Instagram, Facebook, YouTube are massive search engines. The majority of my clients before I meet them, even you, Whitney, right? I didn't get on your website. I got on, on Instagrams, right? Prior to, to today's conversation. Why? Because it's the best way to understand unfiltered who is this person right? And that's what's really key. I always tell my clients to Google themselves in an incognito browser, okay? This is what a blind consumer is doing before they meet you. If the first three links are an outdated LinkedIn that hasn't been updated, uh, let's say a, a website um, that's templatized from your brokerage, you know, when I'm working with a lot of residential real estate agents. Um, and then finally, um, an outdated Facebook, okay, from 10 years ago when you were in college, what does that say to a consumer? Whether you like it or not, no matter what experience you have, it says this person isn't worth their salt. Why would I ever work with them? On the other hand, if I have no experience in the market, but I have a killer updated, sexy and elevated website with an updated LinkedIn, with tons of content that I post regularly, with an Instagram feed that's curated and speaks to what I do or rather what I want to do, I am almost inevitably, unless it comes from a referral source, booking the client over the legacy provider because I will get the meeting unlike the other. And so that's what's really important to remember. It is 
hopefully a huge weight off your shoulders, that it's not necessarily experience, it's perception. And that is how myself and my team change the lives of a lot of these, you know, business leaders and individuals looking to make a change. Yeah, love that. I could not agree with you more as far as the perception. Uh, and I, I'm living truth of that. I know you don't know me and my Instagram page is not the place to learn about me. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> I can tell you that. Uh, we've never done marketing well ever. Uh, and uh, however, we produced a ton of content, right? 1800 plus shows, right? Daily. Uh, and and I and I'm living proof and I'll be as honest to anybody that that perception is reality because we could quickly raise a lot of money, right? And it wasn't because of my experience early on. We have a lot more experience now, years later, right? But Early on, uh, there was just a ton of credibility that came along with that, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, people see me that you know with all these people, right? You know, I've interviewed, you know, let's say I'd interviewed two or three hundred people at that time, uh, you know, and all of a sudden I can raise millions of dollars, right? And so, Absolutely. I mean, it's it's exactly what you're talking about. And it's years later that I actually had you know, some, you know, some more experience, but there was definitely a perception there that helped me a long ways, right? People already knew me when they got on the phone with me, or they felt like they did. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and investors did. So uh, personalized website. Uh, so personalized website versus uh, the business website. Right. Is what you're saying that uh, what would be on that website? I mean, I, ways for them to get to know you, I assume, and build trust. But what does that look like exactly? Yeah, absolutely. You know, look, my my answer is quite simple. The majority of my clients start with some level of a website, a lot of the times that a company or a brokerage provides them. And the issue with that is quite simple, right? It's templatized, it has to be, and it's typically at the brokerage level. And, you know, when we're talking about not necessarily investment, but residential real estate, commercial real estate, or, or even in the investment side, the brokerage is concerned with one thing, one of their agents, one of their representatives doing the deal. They don't care if it's you or your colleague because they're going to get the same split. And so consequently, and rightfully so, all of the marketing typically is at the brokerage or the organizational level. That is a massive disservice to the individual consumer or the individual seller, right? Ultimately, what we have to do is create our own custom website that can tell your narrative in a bespoke and elevated way, completely customizable. Again, a legacy provider who's done this for 50 plus years is going to have a very different look, vibe, and feel and narrative than let's say me who got into the industry three days ago, right? Both um, equally reputable in terms of perception or our ability to have a positive perception. But in terms of the look and feel of the brand and what we want consumers to take away will be wildly different. We can only achieve that in creating the epicenter of your digital ecosystem, which happens to be website. So on the website, you know, we're traditionally first talking about the, the index landing page, right? We want typically some type of hero video on the top. We don't need a video with sound. We just want an idea of understanding who you are in the market. So for example, on my website, you will see me working with clients, some you know popular household names. Regardless of my experience, you have no idea what I do, but at least I'm in the room with these people and you go, oh, for whatever reason, Tyler's accredited, okay? We've already done our job. Number two is getting to know the person, the individual. So right after that, we'll typically throw in a brief bio with a chance to see an extended bio on an external page. And then from there, we'll keep it short and sweet. We'll walk through some level of service offering or content offering. 
for me, obviously, it's you know business consultancy, investor consultancy, um, marketing consultancy, and then walking through those offerings. From there, we'll build out additional pages. Again, I want to keep it quite simple and streamlined. We're we're not building like a financial institutions website here. Five to seven pages is beyond enough to tell a consumer your narrative. We'll have an additional about me page, which really speaks to a, a full length bio, maybe your production history, your accreditations, um, any awards, honors you might have. Then, you know, we'll get into press because again, earned media is a really important portion of our business, whether you like it or not. Why? Because it directly relates to perception. If I'm in the New York Times, regardless of why I'm there, if I'm able to say I've been featured in the New York Times and then re-put, I mean, put that back on my website, it again further accreditates me and adds to my positive perception. And then the final portion, obviously, is a content offering services page in terms of what you as a business owner really specialize in. And then we typically end with, uh, with a contact form or the ability to sign up directly to have a, a pro bono meeting with me. And so ultimately, that that or a version of that is typically what we recommend through rigorous testing. We've learned this, ironically, converts more people to sale than ever talking specifically about investment or real estate, right? Humanizing the person and really starting to establish a relationship with the customer before they even call you. Love that. Yeah, that's what we did through the podcast. I never had a personal website, but people listen to my voice every day, right? And then they get me on the phone and they just feel like they already know me. I, I mean, I heard it time and time and time again, uh, even more so than I ever expected. Uh, but I should have a personal website. I, I love, this. <laughs> love this. Uh, and so, you know, how many platforms should we be using, right? Uh, you know, it is hard to manage. Obviously, you saw my Instagram page. Uh, you know, I've never done a lot, you know, on social, right, personally, uh, honestly, you know, it's it's been mostly the podcast and newsletters and things like that. Um, what should we be focusing on? See, that's such a tough and convoluted question. It really depends on multiple factors. I get asked this all the time, and it really is a case-by-case -case scenario, but I can walk you through how we make that decision. Obviously, I always say, you know, variety is the spice of life. The larger the net, the more fish we catch. However, if we have a large net, but there's tons of holes in it because we're not really focused on anything, then it's not an effective net. So what I typically say is as we get people comfortable with this concept of posting regularly, of being active on social platforms, of potentially having an updated website, maybe we blog, maybe we vlog, maybe we have a podcast, right? If I were to tell you, Whitney, today, I need you to get on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Pinterest, have a blog, have a vlog, have a podcast, you would do none of them well and lose your mind, okay? And actually, that's counterintuitive to what we're trying to do. The first thing I always say is, okay, who are you and who is your market? We obviously know there are different demographics on all of these platforms. And I find a lot of my clients really start to get overwhelmed with the variety and the options. You know, one of my dear friends told me this a decade ago, and I've said it almost every day, and it's this limitations are that which free us. This idea that if we actually limit ourselves, not in our beliefs, but in what we're focused on, we can actually do those things much better. So I will always say we're going to walk before we run. I typically choose two to three platforms that I can walk you through, implement process, which is key, process, process, process. So you feel like you're in control, you know exactly what you're doing, how often you're doing it and how you're doing it. And then once we have a dedicated process, we can go from there. Like I said, these platforms are very unique per demographic. So let's say, for example, you're trying to find investment. 
Obviously, there are exceptions to every rule. You could probably find investors on TikTok. I, there certainly are investors on TikTok. But if I needed to say biggest bang for my buck, I'm starting on LinkedIn. Why? Because we know that's where the decision makers are. It has the highest uh, you know, average HHI of any platform. We say it's where the decision makers are. It's where C-suite is. Okay. And so our ability to target that demographic while providing value-added content, think thought leadership content on LinkedIn, that's your safest bet. Additionally, Facebook for investment. Why? Because an older demographic is on Facebook. This is not to say that there aren't plenty of investors on Instagram. There, this is not to say that there aren't plenty of investors on TikTok. It really is saying, okay, I have to fish intelligently versus just throwing a net out with tons of holes in it and seeing what happens. Love that fishing intelligently. Uh, and and you said it earlier. You know, it's like knowing. Uh, I had I wrote it down, but it's like knowing who you are, knowing who to, who your audience is, right? Uh, getting really clear about that. Maybe and maybe that's a good place to to hone in for just a moment, uh, helping helping the audience think through just that because they need that before they're creating content, right? Um, and so, how do we think through or how niche down, you know, should our audience be or this, you know, our avatar, you know, that we're trying to create of this person that we're going after as an investor? So, look, I always say to be as micro as possible at the beginning, and we can always expand if we're not seeing movement. I will always tell you that content has a way of creating your niche for you. And if you're consistent with that, you're going to build a niche or fandom around that specific topic. Okay. You know, I tell the story of when I was getting certified at YouTube as a content creator and YouTube um, content creator, I was partnered for an exercise with an 80 year old man. And I was really disappointed because obviously he was the oldest one in the room. I was like, why are you here? He tells me he's a doll painter. Um, and I'm even less thrilled. Okay. And then we started looking at his account. He had over a million subscribers and it was living proof that no matter what you do, there's an audience. And so that is why I'm saying being as niche as possible at the beginning is always, always, always a good idea. You know, some of my most successful clients have such a small niche and there's enough people in the world within that niche to give them all the business they need. Whether I'm working with um, um, clients who exclusively represent veteran clients that's a really, really fantastic niche. I have clients out of Southeast Asia who exclusively work with investors in the United States looking to invest in Southeast Asia. Again, it's a really, really small demographic, but when you're looking for the best provider for this one niche, there's very few people to choose from. So what I would say here is quite simple. Pinpointing your customer, which is a part of the user journey that I take all of my clients through. Understanding their spending habits, what they wear, who they shop with, um, what brands they like, what brands they don't like. If they're working with a competitor, who are those competitors and, and, and why them? What do they value? If we have a better understanding of that, we have a better understanding of what your marketing should be, where we should target and where we should buy media. So those things are obviously really, really important and the very foundation of where we start our marketing journey. Love that. So much good content right there. What, what other forms you know, have you seen work or, or do you use or recommend using out, you know, like newsletters, webinars, those things to continue uh, the relationship? Well, look, Whitney, I not to be dramatic, I'm about to change your life. I'm about to change the the lives of your viewers. Okay. I have done many podcasts in my career. I've been on TV many times, but I've never shared this publicly in this forum. 
I'm going to walk you through what I have found to be the biggest business hack and game changer in the realm of digital marketing in my career, okay? I figured this out probably 90 days ago, 120 days ago. And when I tell you that my business has been revolutionized because of it, it's not, uh, it's an understatement, okay? So what I'm about to explain is how I lead generate and build relationships with cold leads via, via LinkedIn, okay? This is the brainchild of a very, very um, affluent, marketer and recruiter named Jeff Martin, who worked for Gary Vee for a long time as Ryan Serhant's private um, recruiter, and my personal publicist, um, Justin Goldstein out of New York City. And, and what we did together was build an automated system that connects me with the right people who need to be in my inbox and builds relationships with them. And I'm going to break it down to you really, really simple. Okay. This is the LinkedIn life. This is the LinkedIn life hack. Okay. Number one, I want all of your listeners to add 20, no more, no less, 20 new connections on LinkedIn a day. Now I want you to be strategic here. Who is your built-in consumer? For me, I work exclusively with business owners and real estate agents, investors. Okay. And so those are the people I'm going to target. Okay. So I'm adding 20 new connections a day. Now keep in mind why I do this. LinkedIn is unique. The culture is such that you accept almost every one of the connections you get. Is that the case on Facebook or Instagram? No. Here on LinkedIn, it's almost expected. So if I'm sending out 20 a day, I'm probably getting 15 accepted requests from strangers I've never met. Then the second step, okay, an additional step is I reach out to every single person who accepts my request and I write something very simple. That's like, hey, glad to see that we're connected. Would love to find out more about your business. Schedule some time with me here. I throw in a Calendly link, which automates the process, okay? Now, what's important to remember is the third and final portion, okay? I connect with all of these people for a day, 15 minutes each, an hour of my day. And when I get on these calls with people, I do not talk about myself. I do not talk about business. I do not talk about sales, okay? I ask them about their business. They ask what I do. I'm polite. I answer in 10 seconds or less, and I deflect back to them. And then I ask them one major question, and it's this. At the end of the day, what is something that I can do for your business, no catch, completely free, that might help you? And you will see people stare at you as if you're speaking in a foreign language. And they'll eventually answer. And as long as it's possible, I will follow up on that promise, right? I had an agency owner meet with me two weeks ago, said, oh, do you know a corporate lawyer? I need all of like my SOWs and MSAs and all of these contracts drawn up. And I said, look, don't, uh, yes, of course I have a business lawyer, but let me just send you my, my templates, right? I paid 50 grand for them, but there's no need for you to, right? He's already sent me three clients. And it's because I show up to build a relationship. Now, the final step here, after adding 20 people a day, after reaching out to them, after talking to them about their business and how you can help them for free without wanting anything in return, is you have to be an active member of the LinkedIn community. Meaning, you will note that I religiously post on LinkedIn three times a week. Why? Because when people see my friend requests come in, they're going to hit my page and get to know me before they decide if they schedule a call. So if you do those four things, adding 20 people a day, messaging them, speaking to them and building a relationship without wanting anything in return and giving, 
this is what changes your life. And then the gold standard, the pro tip, if you don't already have an account, sign up for uh, an AI-based um, platform called Dripify, D-R-I-P-I-F-Y.io. Okay, Dripify does everything I just told you and automates, automates it for $50 a month, right? So right now, I have all of my leads from a search on LinkedIn populating every single day, 20 a day, automatically sending out those messages, all automatically hitting my calendar and allowing me to focus on meeting the client versus doing the cold outreach. That has doubled my business in 90 days and it's doubled the business of my clients who have implemented. You mentioned the process of marketing efforts. Could you elaborate on, on what that means? Uh, or, or maybe, and maybe we're talking about numerous different types of content that could be sent out or, or about what, what does that mean exactly? Yeah. So whenever I talk about the process of marketing, I really try to set this up in tiers. Okay. The first thing we always have to establish is your visual identity. This is where I start with every client. Okay. If I have a brand, which you do, whether you like it or not. Okay. Because I'm going to talk about your personal brand. Okay. I don't care about the company. I care about the personal brand. Your personal brand has to have a look and feel. Does it look um, stylish and elevated and modern like Uber or Apple? Is it more of a refined, elevated, let's say, um, legacy brand like Rolex or Cartier or Ralph Lauren? Okay, because those two brands have very different feelings and consumers instantly pick up on a perception, keyword perception, of what that means about your company. This also defines what all of the other marketing assets you're going to create from business cards and newsletters to mailers to your social posts, okay, what they're going to look like. We can do nothing in marketing without first visual identity. That's logo, um, your iconography, your typeface, all of those things, okay? That's where we start with my clients on the agency side. From there, we go to website. That's the second part of the process. Why? Because I have to have the epicenter. I know what it's going to look like because I already have your visual identity, but then my team built out that epic website to tell that narrative in a first-class way. From there, we have the very limited foundation. Right now, I'm still not thrilled by this ecosystem. So we have to continue to expand it consistently. The two forms of content that we can post regularly is both newsletter, which we talked about, remaining top of mind with consumers monthly, again, matching and adhering to that visual identity. Okay. Tiffany's is always Tiffany's blue. They don't do orange one month. Okay. I find that a lot of clients of mine are very mismatched in their branding, yet they act like they're a luxury brand, right? Mm. Cartier, Gucci, Tiffany's, Apple, they all are consistent in their branding. There's no question on what color the Tiffany's catalog is going to be this season, okay? Then from there, we have to start talking through social, okay? This is the best way next to newsletter for us to remain top of mind, okay? Consistently posting at least three to five times on these platforms is necessary. Why? Because we have to constantly remind consumers that we're ready and able to transact with value-added content. Now, let me be clear what I mean by value-added. It doesn't have to necessarily be educational or informative. Comedy is value-add. Why? Because it provides something to a consumer, okay? From there, we actually talk about the other intricacies. We talk about the systematic processes that power your business. If you have tons of leads, but you don't have a CRM, you're screwed, right? If you have tons of leads and you don't have an email client that integrates directly with your CRM, we're sunk, right? Are we using performance marketing? Are we using paid social? If so, where do those leads funnel through, okay? We have to ensure that the marketing system that we have in place that is hopefully producing leads for you while you sleep 
actually has a place to store those leads and keep them, right? So I always make my clients draw out a map in terms of every lead source and how it gets funneled. You would be surprised how many people are like, okay, well, here's my newsletter CRM. And then in brevity, I have this CRM. And then in follow-up boss, this is where I track my investment clients. And I go, there is no physical way that you haven't accidentally dropped leads through this process. We need one centralized unit. And then the final thing we always talk about is evolving and elevating, right? We have to future-proof our business. Um, you know, I've worked with clients who still have their assistant print their emails, right? That person isn't going to have a job. Why? Because we constantly have to innovate and elevate. You know, let's say three years ago, four years ago, five years ago, when this new thing called TikTok was coming out, everyone was resistant, right? Myself included. And what I started to learn is the next generation that keeps your business in business requires you to innovate. So the final part of our job together is really to figure out what is that next trend that we can be there from the ground floor. Wouldn't you love to know what you know about Instagram today, 10 years ago? You probably would have treated your strategy much differently. And focusing on that level of content and, and content strategy is key. Nice. Tyler, thank you again. Uh, and uh, how can the listeners, again, get in touch with you and get their 15-minute call? Yeah, absolutely. I am just passing out 15 minute calls like Oprah passing out cars. Um, you can visit me at tylergmount.com. Our agency's website is henrystreetcreative.com. And of course, I'm on all social platforms at Tyler G. Mount. Would obviously love to chat with you about your business. No obligation, no catch, just some relationship building and any uh, advice you need. I am here. Thank you for being with us again today. I hope that you have learned a lot from the show. Don't forget to like and subscribe. I hope you're telling your friends about the Real Estate Syndication Show and how they can also build wealth in real estate. You can also go to lifebridgecapital.com and start investing today.